Okay, let's see. We've got our notes. We've got our Bible. We are ready to get going. Welcome, folks, to Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. And we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 2 today. This is the beginning of the seven letters to the seven churches. Uh, and when we work through these, you're going to notice that there's a pattern that is followed in each one of these letters. That there's some characteristics also, or a description of the speaker that's consistent of some of the aspects and the image that John saw in chapter 1. And also, notice the relationship between the specific characteristics of the speaker and what is said to the individual church. I think these are these are all interesting things. And to recap just a little bit of what we talked about in the last episode, remember that I, I see these seven churches as not being, these are specifically just for them. I'm sure it is for them, but these were picked out because these are characteristics that you're going to find in the churches in any generation. You could categorize every church, I'm assuming, every church into one of these seven. That's what I think is going on here. And this is continuing to set the stage for what's to come in the rest of the book of Revelation. Let's begin by looking at the first church here, Ephesus. Ephesus, so Revelation chapter 1, or chapter 2, rather, looking at verses 1 to 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent. Do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. All right, let's review these. You had those seven stars, or you got uh, two. Let's start off there, verse one. To the angel of the church, we talked a little bit about that last week. I, that I don't think it means the literal angels of heaven. Uh, the term angel is a transliterated English word from angelos in the Greek. It literally means messenger. When you look throughout the Old Testament in Haggai 
1.13, also Malachi chapter 2, verse 7, you see preachers being called messengers. And when you look at that in the Greek, I know it's the Old Testament, but we have the Septuagint, which is the Greek, they use the term angelos. This can mean simply just a messenger. Maybe it could be the one that brought the letter, could be the preacher there, or perhaps one of the elders. They would read it. I think if we receive a letter from an apostle, uh, not that that would happen today, but if we did, one of the elders more than likely would stand up and read it, or we'd have the messenger who brought it read it in front of the congregation. I think that's what's going on here. Uh, there also in verse 1, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hands, that's, again, the, the same, the ministers. The lampstands, that's the churches. We get that from 120. And these may point us to Christ's authority over messengers and his authority over churches as he deals in this letter with false teachers and straying churches. Verse 2, the deeds, these are good deeds. They cannot endure evil men, literally base ones. These are men who are good for nothing in the very thing in which they ought to be good as a cowardly soldier or an ignorant teacher. They may fulfill or fill a certain office like soldier, teacher, or preacher, but they don't, they don't uh, uh, act accordingly to the office. There's false apostles, uh, those who claim to be specifically sent of Jesus as a teacher, but found out to be liars. Not all who claim to teach truth actually fulfill such a claim. Uh, the church here in Ephesus has perseverance. That's mentioned twice. Uh, it just means not giving up. It's an attitude, good attitude to have in spite of the difficult circumstances. Now, verse 4, here's what Jesus has against them. They have left their first love. Probably refers to their former love for Christ. Their former love had been exhibited in certain deeds. It is, that's verse 5, it is not that they are not doing anything, but they are not doing what they used to do. A wife might continue doing wifely duties, but decaying in her love for her husband. Churches can be characterized as merely going through the motions. Look there at verse 5. He tells them to remember, to recall what brought them to Christ. Retrieve the feelings you once had in committing your life to him. They're told to repent, change of mind, leading them to a change in direction because they're fallen. Uh, or Jesus says he's going to remove their lampstand. He's no longer going to consider them his church, his people. It isn't that we call ourselves a church of Christ that makes us his people. Right? Remember what Paul t uh, talks about in the book of Romans there in chapter 8, uh, 9 and 10, mainly 9 and 10, talking about Israel. Uh, God did not fail Israel. Not all who are of Israel were the children of God. There are children of Abraham, and then there are children of Abraham. That is, there are those who may be literally descended from Abraham, but they're not, spirit, but, uh, they're not the spiritual children. There are those who may attend the Church of Christ, but it doesn't mean you know, that they got a lock on the truth and they're going to heaven. You've got to have the right attitude. Verse 6, here's uh, something that he, he does uh, appreciate of them. They, they hate the Nicolaitans. Uh, unsure who this group is, it appears that they advocate immorality. We'll see that when we get to verse 15 in the next section. We'll deal with it then. Verse 7, uh, let him who has an ear hear. We all have ears. 
The problem comes when we do not use our ears the way God designed our ears to hear. Some folks are not tuned in to spiritual things. These have the information to know what to do, but they refuse to act, like Matthew 7, 24 to 27. And he says, uh, hear what the, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Well, I, I know that Christ is speaking. The word Spirit here is capitalized. The, the New American Standard translators think that this must be the third person of the Godhead. I think this just simply means is that Jesus is putting forth his mind and his heart on this information. Listen to what he's saying, his mind and heart. I think that's how I see that. But you may have a differing opinion. That's all right. And then he says, uh, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, overcoming whatever obstacles might have become between them and the Lord. Uh, their ultimate ultimate objective of heaven in, uh, uh, in the Lord. And so those things might be persecution, temptations, things like that. And if they do, he will grant them to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The tree of life takes you back to Gen- the, the garden there in the book of Genesis. It is a symbol of eternal life in the presence of God. Now how, when you kind of rush through this, I know, but when we think about this, how do you summarize uh, the description of this church? For me, when I look at this, I see a, a church that stands for the truth, but they don't do anything. They're almost, well, no. They are becoming Pharisaic. They're zealous for law, but slack in reaching out to the lost. They're ritualistic. Oh, they got all the motions down, but the mind and the heart are not in it. Not like it used to be. That's what I see happening here. All right, verses 8 to 11. Let's take a look at Smyrna. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. All right, Smyrna. First and last, that's the beginning and end of history. What our history existence is all about. Uh, He who was dead, that's an emphasis on Jesus conquering death, would give comfort to these receiving this letter who are enduring this same kind of persecution. Verse 9, you got tribulation, difficult times, pressure to compromise, poverty, probably the seizure of their property. And then he says, but you are rich. This is spiritually. They have treasure in heaven more precious than gold. This wealth cannot be taken away from them. Uh, you got that word blasphemy there. That literally means to speak against. The term Jews, uh, a symbol of God's people, 
And this is what these claim, but in reality, they are a synagogue, a gathering together of Satan, meaning they belong to Satan and they don't belong to God. Not all who claim to be Christian are Christian. Verse 10, the devil is about to cast some of these folks into into prison. Note that when men do evil deeds against God's people, they are following the guidance of Satan, of the devil. So these folks are going to be tested. Jesus says that this is persecution, and it will be a test, a test of their faith. The test question is, are you genuine? We'll find out by the testing. That's what tests are all about. It lets you know what you're made of. We are always scared before taking a test. But if you pass the test with flying colors, you always feel good after the fact, right? Not before or during the test. But when you pass it, you feel good. That's why we rejoice in our trials. You have that 10 days there. Not not a literal 10 days. The number 10 is a number for completion. Whenever you count to 10, what happens? You start over again. You count another 10. 10, uh, 0 to 10, then 11 to 20. It's all Everything's by 10s. 10 fingers, 10 toes. Tens is the, the end, and you start over again. So not a literal 10 days, but that it will come to an end until, the, until this persecution is reached its completion. They, they will receive a crown of life. This is the victory crown, not the royal crown, the victory crown, which consists of life. And they will not see the second death. That's going to be hell. You'll see that. We'll see that more when we get over to chapter 20. Again, how would you summarize the description of this church? For me, I see a faithful congregation experiencing severe persecution. And Jesus is telling them, you know, stick with it, stand firm, hold to the end. Verses 12 to 17, we're going to look at Pergamum next, starting in verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, The one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But... I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, to commit acts of immorality. So you also have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent, or else I am coming to you quickly. And I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. All right, verse 12. Get that sword. Symbolic of the word of truth, not the false teachings that's going on within the church. Verse 13, you got Satan's throne. Pergamum was the capital of the province. 
Therefore, the center of emperor worship, the altar of Zeus, was there. Uh, a temple to the divine Augustus, the current emperor, or the former emperor, that was there. The goddess Roma was there, a local god whose symbol was the serpent. In the midst of all of this, there's this one faithful church. You've, we hear about this fellow Antipas, uh, one of the Christians who was martyred, called a witness because he testified in behalf of Christ, called the faithful one because he refused to compromise his testimony to truth, and it cost him his life, didn't it? Now some hold, uh, there verse 14, not all the congregations, some hold to the teaching of Balaam. That's from Numbers chapter 31, verse 16, Balaam's counsel in 25, 1 through 5, for what the Israelites did. What's the problem here? It's compromise. That's what he's getting at. They're compromising. Uh, something's going on. They don't want to, I don't know, I don't know why their motive is there. Maybe they just don't want to stir the pot, but they're compromising uh, and it's creating some problems. So Jesus says here in verse 16, I'm going to come to you quickly. Judgment comes sooner than you think. So don't put off repentance. You better change. Because I'm going to make war with the sword. The word of God will bring judgment to all. And if they uh, hold fast, if they overcome, they will receive the hidden manna. What God gives to eat, contrasted by the things sacrificed to idols. There in verse 14. It is the food that sustained God's people through the wilderness, a symbol of God's provisions for eternity, now hidden but soon to be revealed. They're going to be given a white stone. White points to holiness, purity. Stone uh, points to durability. May have some idea of selection or choosing, a symbol of eternity. And they're going to be given a new name. A new name given in the Old Testament people uh, indicated a new status or relationship. This symbolizes the Christian's new relationship in eternity. That's what he's talking about there. So again, how would you summarize this church? Well, some have compromised, not holding to the truth. That's, that's the gist of it there. And there are congregations out there even today in every generation that do this. They'll, they'll look good, but then there's these, these things, these places where they compromise. That's not good. Now, he's not condemning the whole congregation, but he's letting them know, I'm going to make war with those folks. I, I, have, I know that we have a, some brethren, and I call them brethren, that are going to what they call the Christian church. They preach and teach pretty much everything that we preach and teach within the churches of Christ, but they bring in the instrument. They like to have the instrument in the worship service. Now, I know some like to say, well, that's vain worship, and they're not right with God, and they're going to go to hell. But we cannot make that judgment call. Uh, is that a sign of immaturity? It sure is. That's not good. And I, I kind of see this kind of category for them. Yeah, they're... they're they're holding to some things, but they're compromising on some truths because of fleshliness, I suppose. All right, let's look, let's look at the next one, Thyatira, verses 18 to 29. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the Son of God, 
who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds, and your love, and faith, and service, and perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. Man, that sounds great, right? That's only a good congregation. Verse 20, But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, verse 18, he has eyes like a flame. Again, this is going back to the description of Jesus. Uh, as penetrating, it's all seen. Note also there, verse 23, how he is the one who searches the minds and hearts. That's the eyes of flame. Feet, that uh, burning bronze, that's judgment. Wherever he walks, there is burning judgments. Verse 19, there goes through their deeds and their love and their faith. Um, deeds are the result of love. Love grows out of faith. Their service is what we do for others in serving Christ. Perseverance, that's endurance. Bravely hold out under the pressure to give in. And their deeds of light are, are even greater. So they're growing or maturing. But then, verse 20, you got this Jezebel. Reminds us of the wife of King Ahab. Some woman uh, in the congregation who has the nature of Jezebel. Calls herself a prophetess claims to speak for God, leading the bondservants of God astray. Uh, they should listen to their master Christ, but these are heading toward this new Jezebel. The original Jezebel led Israel into worship with Baal, right? So they begin to commit these acts of immorality, perhaps unfaithfulness to God by following pagan religions, they're eating things sacrificed, compromising with other religions, participating in their rituals. Shouldn't do that. This woman doesn't want to repent, despite the fact that she was given the opportunity. Um, you know, we should not overreact and make immediate demands of misled people. Sometimes uh, we, we must give. Some time must be given for folks to get right with God. This woman doesn't want to be right with God. She was given the opportunities. She rejected it. So he's going to cast her upon a bed. 
Hebed is a place where immorality occurs. If people do not want truth, God's going to give them over to their error. 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. To reap the consequences of their error. He's going to kill her children. Not the physical children, but the offspring or her followers. All the churches will know. The Lord knows all. And the message to the seven churches is intended for all the churches they hear. They're going to know. Verse 24, the rest, you can be a Christian in a congregation that's not pleasing to God, and we are ultimately judged individually. But, and so, but it doesn't, you know, he's just saying, I'm just saying that there's faithful there in the congregation. God's pointing that out. Not all of you are this way, but uh, some are. You had that phrase, the deep things of Satan, that's intimate knowledge of sin. Um, no other burdens placed upon them. The faithful have a responsibility to not tolerate Jezebel, but to hold fast the truth that is found in Christ's word. And he says in verse 26, keep my deeds, those commands from Christ. Uh, the authority over the nations, as a quotation from Psalm 2, 8 and 9, Christians will share in Christ's inheritance. The nations are those in the world opposed to the people of God, who are ultimately defeated while God's people will be victorious. The morning star there in verse 28. Jesus is referred to as the morning star in 2 Peter 1.19. But here we have a different Greek term used. Also Revelation 22.16, same Greek expression as here. Uh, star here cannot have the same meaning as the seven stars. If morning star refers to the first one seen in the heavens and the brightest of stars, it may refer to our resurrected or glorified bodies that we're going to share with Christ. And I'm kind of leaning toward that idea. How would you summarize this, church? Well, I think they are in, they're active in their works, but they tolerate false teaching. They are zealous for doing good, but not concerned if they are following the Lord or not. They just, oh, well, that seems like a good thing, and they go along with it. Well, that seems like a good thing. We'll do that too. But they're not thinking or bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ as they should. And they're falling away. Not all, but some. And these uh, first few of the four, these, these first four here that we've looked at, these are are general uh, truths that we will find in any generation. And next week we're going to look at the next chapter, chapter 3, and uh, close that out and move on to the next part. I hope this is uh, helping you and uh, helping your study and your understanding. I hope you'll continue to read and study with me as we work through Revelation. See you next time. Thank you.